This episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast is being brought to you by Loot Crate. If you're on a quest for epic gear, housewares, and collectibles, look no further than Loot Crate, because they have an epic range of pop culture items for less than $20 a month. If you're more of a fanatical fashionista, then Lootwear is the monthly wearables and accessories subscription that will fill your closet with cult classics and your favorite franchises. And if you're looking to get fancy, get a bigger box with even bigger loot with Loot Crate DX. Ready your wands, listeners. Pre-measure your potions and get ready for November's enchanting theme. Can you guess it? Magical. That's right, magical. Loot Crate has uh, cast a powerful ancient spell to deliver you this 100% exclusive crate featuring bewitching items from Doctor Strange, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and Big Trouble in Little China, and a whole lot more. Ah, you had me at Big Trouble in Little China. You have, though, listeners, until the 19th at 9 o'clock p.m., Pacific time. That's right. Nine o'clock PM Pacific time to subscribe and receive that month's crate. If you miss that cutoff date, you're going to be out of Dr. Strange, fantastic beasts and where to find them and big trouble in little China and a whole lot more. So make sure you point your browser to lootcratecom slash spoilers, enter the code spoilers and save on any new subscription. That's lootcratecom slash spoilers. Enter the code spoilers. Thank you. Loot crate for sponsoring this episode of the major spoilers podcast. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, The Flash loses another director. Resident Alien finds a missing girl in both Faith and Catwoman head for the polls. Plus, hail to the chief. He's pretty much a jack wagon. So that's fun. Uh, all this, plus more reviews, your latest in nerdery news, and the kick butt poll of the week. We hereby hold these truths to be self evident that the major spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 701 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening to this special election, pre-election show. Pre-election. The pre-election show. Yes, we'll be talking about President Lex later in the show. We may have a few other political things to talk about this week. But first, let us get to the news. Uh, Vin Diesel's Triple X Return of Xander Cage trailer has arrived. The Flash movie loses its director again. And Brian Fuller leaves Star Trek Discovery. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny. Let's see where we land and what we'll be talking about this week. Oh, no Vin Diesel. Oh, no Brian Fuller. We will be talking about Flash Movie Loses Director. Uh, Rick, what how, how do you say? Is Fami Yiwa? I think it's Famawaya or Fama Yiwa. I'm not sure. Fama Yiwa? Let's say Fama Yiwa. Let's say Fama Yiwa. He and Warner Brothers have come to uh, differences in how the movie should be uh, taken forward. And so he has left the Flash project. Um, he did say in a uh, in um, uh, statement, I pitched a version of the film in line with my voice, humor and heart. While it's disappointing that we couldn't come together creatively on the project, I remain grateful for the opportunity. I will look for opportunities to tell stories that speak to a fresh generation, topical and multicultural points of view. I wish Warner Brothers, DC, John Berg, Jeff Johns and Ezra Miller Miller all the best as they continue their journey into the speed force. Kind of sad about that because I was kind of looking forward to seeing his take on this film, especially with all of the research he was doing. I don't know if you either of you follow him on Twitter, but he was sharing a lot of stuff uh, that he was drawing inspiration from a lot of the 90s flash stuff that he was drawing inspiration from. 
uh, to uh, bring this film to life, but apparently they couldn't work out an idea or get uh, get something uh, of the uh, Warner Brothers get a higher consensus. Up. Yeah, to uh, to to come together on this. Is this a is this a horrible thing? This is the second director that's exited the project. I wouldn't say horrible necessarily, and I, I will say it's not a surprise. I mean, all of the the DC movie stuff seems to be a very top down editorially driven affair. It seems like they're telling you this is this is the movie we want you to make, and you know, as we saw with Wonder Woman. Someone exited because that was not the movie she wanted to make, so they brought in another director. The worry for me is that as fans, as a population, we have a tendency to write things off as a disaster before we've ever seen them. And my concern is that losing two directors is going to be one of those things where The Flash is written off as a disaster, which I don't necessarily want to see this movie. So, you know, maybe I'm not the best person to speak about it, but... It's a bummer in the sense that there has been a lot of negativity already aimed at the DCEU, the extended universe, or however they're calling it. And I'm just not really wanting to see more of that negativity, you know, kind of blowing up all over the place. Mm. Uh, Rodrigo, do you have some thoughts? Yeah, uh, really what this kind of says to me is that there's a movie that Warner Brothers uh, slash like DC movie times wants them to make. And they hire directors that probably have like a voice that they think is similar. But because of that, I, I think these directors have ideas and have things that they want to do. And then when they start deviating from it, uh, DC says, actually, uh, you're getting too far away from the movie we're trying to make it. This stuff actually really feels like uh, the Ant-Man stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Where they're like, hey, guys, we got this guy who is like really in line with this stuff. And up, oh, nope, now he wants to make a movie that we don't like. So he's out of here. Yeah. Well, I wonder if more with the Ant-Man thing was there was a great idea and great concept. But then somewhere along the lines, the other movies changed the direction they wanted the Ant-Man movie to go. And that's where the problems were. I mean, that can be it, too. I mean, basically... Unlike Marvel, which at first had some breathing room, um, you know, with Iron Man and Thor and all that stuff, DC is basically jumping into like the tightest box that they possibly can mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. far as their movies. So it 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 is very likely that they're just um, they're just saying, well, by the end of the movie, this has to have happened in order for the next movie to make sense. And the mm -hmm. directors are like, well, then I can't make this movie. Yeah. I, here's my take on it. I think it's OK that you have multiple directors come on a project and leave a project. Yeah. As long as you're not you haven't started production and production hasn't started on this, although now they're saying that uh, the movie was uh, set to begin production in early 2017. That means it's more than likely going to be delayed now because of this exit. But mm -hmm. here's the thing. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever bought a subscription to Variety or The Hollywood Reporter, but it's a couple of hundred dollars uh, a year, if not uh, per quarter, to get access to this magazine. And 25, and you know, most of their stuff now is free online. Uh, but 25 years ago, 30 years ago, before the internet was a, was a big deal and blogs and other sites were out there just regurgitating news... Um, yep. Unless you had a subscription to Premier Magazine or at the time, I think Entertainment Weekly was just coming out or TV Guide or whatever it was. 
these kinds of stories, you never heard whether a director was on or off a project. Even Entertainment Tonight wasn't always up on the latest who's doing what, and they certainly weren't able to follow everything. Mm-hmm. I think we have become a society that, you know, 25 years ago, we would not have even heard about the first two directors on this Flash project. Oh, yeah. Uh, but today, you know, someone sneezes funny and suddenly, oh, no, flu outbreak on the set of The Flash. What's going to happen to the movie? And well, and it's but it's but it's both things. It's not just that the reporting has become more like granular, right? right it's not right. it's not just that they're reporting on smaller things, but the studios themselves push for that because sometimes it's free publicity. Yeah, so they're they constantly announcing things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like as soon as somebody says, hmm, I might be interested in uh, directing this, uh, a press release goes out. And then when that falls apart, well, they have to say it they have to say it out loud to everyone because they already made an announcement Mm -hmm. or so it's it's kind of it kind of goes both ways well and that's some of the things that i think are rather rather odd where again you're saying someone says i would like to direct this that's somebody just saying or maybe their their um uh, pr group uh putting it out there but you know rodrigo uh, says that he would love to direct the next dungeons and dragons movie okay well that's rodrigo saying it's not the studio saying anything or doing anything and then suddenly the studios hire somebody to direct the upcoming Dungeons and Dragons movie. And everyone's already made a big deal of Rodrigo saying that he wanted to direct the movie, even though it wasn't a, a press release or a statement or anything else. It was someone's Twitter feed that says, man, I sure would like to direct that movie. Uh, and suddenly people turn something that's minuscule into a giant news story. And, but and I see Warner this Brothers, a lot. Warner Brothers sent out a big, yeah, they did. They did in, in this case with in this case with the Flash. Yes, but that doesn't happen all the time. No, and I mean part of that is just the big game of telephone that is the internet, but part of it is the fact Rodrigo is exactly right. They are using these announcements as back channel promotion. They're using these things to get people talking. You know, the buzz is everything about some of these movies. Well, and they, I feel they, like they shouldn't have a freak out. When suddenly bad news goes out and they suddenly have no comment on the story well, because that's, that's also that's the thing that is now backfiring on them is is there's a you know, large portion of the online people that are saying, oh, no, this spells certain doom for the DC universe. Right. It's like, that's, no, it doesn't. Not, it just means there's somebody else coming in to tell the story that DC wants them to tell. That's that's the risk reward breakdown, right? It's like right. on the on, on the reward side, you get free advertisement, free publicity, free buzz. But. On the uh, risk side, if even the slightest thing goes wrong, you have to either state it or um, cover your head because someone else is going to state it, right? It's like now uh, all of these, like, you know, whoever you hired to direct is going to have a Twitter feed and they're going to talk about it Mm -hmm. because as soon as they're off the project, they're kind of released from um, half of that secrecy, right? It's like now they don't. Now, now they're not they're bound to not spill the beans on anything uh, specific about the project, but they can talk about leaving the project. Right. You, you're never bound to be like, uh, no, I'm still working for Universal mm-hmm. or whoever, even if you're not. So that's it's going to come out. And because they banked on this buzz machine, like the buzz machine can kind of turn on them. Yeah. Especially since we remember that the Flash movie had a release date. Before it had a script, a lead actor, or a director. Mm-hmm. And then when they cast Ezra Pound, everybody was like, ooh, they have an actor. 
And then they're like, oh, and we have a story. Oh, we have a director. No, we don't. Oh, maybe. Oh, no, we don't. So, I mean, they, this is a situation where while I do not support, condone, or in any way want to participate in a wave of negative I told you so's, there's a lot of framework built into this for people to say, well, this was clearly a disaster from the get-go. Now, they said that about Ant-Man, which I liked. They said that about Guardians of the Galaxy, which I liked. They said that about Batman v Superman. Nice. And I, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we've seen this happen at Marvel. You know, Marvel uh, Marvel Studios started out with this like bright view of things, basically getting these like weird picks like these superstar directors that had not directed superhero stuff but mm -hmm. in fact were known for other things right. and it really worked out for them you know uh favreau and iron man um what's this shakespeare on thor yeah uh, kenneth kenneth uh brana brana yeah Branagh. so uh and then once the universe started coalescing you know, and they were like, okay, now this needs to happen in order for Wakanda to be maneuvered into this movie, which will then launch this character, which will then make that relevant in another movie. The directors are like, well, well we don't want to do that. We want to, like, do a thing where Iron Man's like, pow, pow, pow. And Marvel's like, well, let's just get someone else. Yeah. And I think DC is just kind of running into that. I think that we are going to see a lot of this happen. Um, Basically, whoever gets the reins is going to stay, and then we're going to probably see a revolving door of directors, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it speaks to the priorities of the studio. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. I'm actually trying to find an actual statement from Warner Brothers that said that he, that uh, Rick was actually directing the movie, and I cannot find he had, one. He had never worked for them. Well, it was all a con. I, and I'm there. wondering if, if it's we because, have you know, sometimes with um, Warner, you know, the studios will send out a press release that says today begins the official production of this show, right? When they start shooting. Uh, and that's when they kind of announce everybody that they haven't previously already signed contracts with. I'm wondering if there was never an official press release because they were still knocking things out uh, or anything yeah. like that. But I cannot find a press release. All I'm seeing is. Uh, deadline saying that they have the exclusive, then Variety saying, "Hey, uh, this is a done deal," and then I'm I'm not seeing anything. And everybody's statement is Warner Brothers has no comment on, on this. Uh, so it's it's interesting. Then, um, I don't know. I, I just find it interesting that there is not an official press release that um, that he has Maybe been hired. Never official. He was well, never I, there. That's what I'm well, I yes, uh, I, I'm sure it could be that whole thing. But uh, I, I just find that interesting. I find that interesting. Uh, well, this I, is my thing. I want the Flash movie to be successful yeah. for entirely selfish reasons. But there's also the fact that we have the weekly Flash television show. And I'm kind of of the opinion that even if the Flash movie sucks, I can still watch the TV show. And maybe that's part of the problem. Well, I mean, I it know. certainly could be. I mean... Uh, Here's the, here's the problem, uh, or one of the many problems. Uh, the studios right now have shares and they have stockholders, and they're always trying to make stockholders happy by announcing big things that will cause the stock to rise and to cause dividends to pay off big time. So yeah. you look at somebody like Disney who says, hey, guess what? Until the year 2020, we have Star Wars movies coming out the butt. 
we've got Marvel movies coming out the butt, and here are all the Marvel movies that you can handle from now until the end of time, which may be sooner than we think. And so they yeah, will okay. tell you, here are all the movies coming out literally until 2024, 2025, uh, something like that. This is what we've planned. And it sticks into a lot of people's mind that, yeah, this is the deal. And then suddenly uh, we can't, this isn't working out or th- we need to push this movie right, in front right. of this movie. And so things get changed and scheduled and, around. And it's because of their desire to make this, the shareholders happy by causing the stock yeah. prices to increase that they're going out on a limb uh, to do some trimming and they're on the wrong side of that branch. Uh, to make these statements that, as you guys said, uh, end up backfiring on them and will ultimately cause the stock shares to drop back down. And this may be just another Uh one of those instances where, hey, until you guys are ready to announce who the director and the actors and everyone are on this thing, maybe you shouldn't be announcing that you got a Flash movie, then a Justice League movie, then a (laughs) Justice League 2 movie, then a Cyborg movie, an Aquaman movie, a Batman movie, and all these other things that are coming out. Maybe it's time to just like, hey, let's, uh, let's just put out good content and let people be super excited about our content. Let that r- let our stock prices raise instead of everybody uh, uh, banking on speculation. Right, Matthew? I mean, we're seeing the 90s comics thing happening to movies where everyone wants to promote, promote, promote stuff that probably isn't worth promoting at the time. And they're surprised when there's suddenly an implosion. But that's the thing. I mean, that's what they think they're doing. They think that by having, oh, well, we're going to get people really talking about this. They're providing amazing stuff for us to go and watch and that's that that's the big problem that i have we have had this discussion before when we say stop focusing on the gimmicks and do a good story that's Mm -hmm. what they think they have that's what they thought they had with batman v superman and what it really comes down to i think is partly hollywood and i think partly the the warner brothers division that is handling dc and whoever that would be i'm not going to call jeff johns out by name because i don't know if it's him but there is a thought process there that says that it's all about the hype it's about the marketing it's about the big bang boom and the dc rebirth thing across the top of the book and the cross promotion and the television shows and the movies making sure that they tell us all about the cyborg three years before we see the cyborg film. And I think that on some level that disconnect is not necessarily about quality. That's what they think they're giving us. I think it's about, it's about the way you approach it. And mm-hmm. I feel like in, in a lot of ways, DC is approaching this as we have a huge stable of intellectual properties to exploit. And don't get me wrong, that's perfectly legitimate. They do, in fact, have that. They are a, a content farm in a lot of ways. They have a ton of mm-hmm. characters from the mm-hmm. last 90 years. But when you get right down to it, sometimes you'll get something that comes out that still makes a scribillion dollars, but everybody's like, man, we did not like this, or this is troublesome, or this is a big giant mess except for Harley Quinn. And when, you know, when things come out and people are so divided, I think it's hard to make the argument that it's all about good or bad content. I think it's about approach to the content. And on that level, the biggest complaint that I have about the flash is that we've already seen this character in play. We've already seen all these things and we're all hearing about the directors and maybe the script and the story and people saying this is this may be what it's about. And when that movie comes around, what's the impetus to go see it? So, again, you know, 
The impetus is that Justice League is going to blow our minds. You guys, the minds are blown. It could be. So I'm, I'm looking at the timeline. You said it's it's maybe not Jeff John's fault. Maybe it is Jeff John's fault. Um, he was, it was rumored. It's Jeff John's it, it was rumored that he was going Everything to take. Everything is Jeff John's fault. In, in, uh, this is in May, uh, early May, mid-May, I'm sorry. It was started, the rumor started around that uh, John's would be overseeing all the DC movies. He's now the head of uh, production for DC Studios. Um it was only a few weeks later that the statement had come out that that uh, Rick would be directing uh, the Flash movie. Mm-hmm. It's not two weeks in order to get Jeff Johns up to speed on everything that's going on. So there could be a lot of things that he's working with and mm. spinning around with. And maybe it is Rick and Jeff Johns who are not able to figure out an idea because we do know from seeing the Flash and reading comics that Jeff Johns has a very specific idea of what Flash right. is like. Yeah, I can, I can, I can really imagine uh, Famuyiwa being like, "Hey, you know, I've been doing a lot of research. I'm really excited about this, like Mark Wade run of the Flash." Oh, and he was. If you go and look at his timeline, right? He's very excited. And about John's that being run. like, "Let me tell you about uh, something called the Rebirth." Yeah, let me, um, let me tell you something—a a little bit uh, thing that happened in the 2000s called the Jeff Johns run. Yeah, no, Jeff exactly. Johns, no, Jeff Johns loves 1965. Here's how that story went. He walks in. This is Rick. He says, hello, I'm Rick. I'm really excited to make this movie about Wally. Yeah. Jeff Johns says, you're fired. Well, we already yeah, knew that it was actually, we already right. knew it was Barry a long time ago. But if you read this statement, um, let's see. Okay, I, I continue to look for opportunities to tell stories that speak to a fresh generational, topical, and multicultural point of view. Yeah, well, and that's a that's that's certainly that, reading I mean, something into the statement, be, but that could be his line. That could be something that he, as a person, yeah. feels that he brings as a director. Oh, especially sure, if does. you look at, if especially you if you look dope. at his. Uh, I haven't seen it, oh, but awesome. I know that it was a critical success. It is good. Um, if you look at uh, Rick Famuyiwa's uh, um, IMDb page, mm-hmm. it's like he has a degree in TV yeah. and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. cinema. No. And, and that, considers this the equivalent of grad school. Like, it's a very, like, like this is a guy, I think, who is, like, coming up. And yeah, he wants hot, to get hired. Yeah. And he's kind of using this. He might just be using this as a platform to be like, when you hire Rick, this is what you get. Well, but also, but, too. You know, but Rick, I, think you, I think you might be right in reading something into that. That somebody said, well, what if instead of everyone was white? Well, you know, we have Wally like West of this uh, so-called rebirth universe, Jeff Johns. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, but but, you know, you're right in that his resume is very short and mm-hmm. dope was very good. And it, if you haven't seen that movie, you really, really should because it's good, really good. And okay. because he's yeah. the hot because he's the hot ticket item, let's attach him to a hot ticket movie. And now that things are starting to come down, it's like, well, OK, let's not make this. His second movie, let's push him off to something like the uh, Green Lantern movie or something like that. No, wait. Is he British? I believe he is um, from one of maybe one of the territories. Because if he was British, I think the creative difference could be that he wanted to make a movie about uh, the lake in Wales called The Flash. Mm. And, you know, everybody was confused. Yeah, he That's is from... He's American. Yeah, he's American. So, okay. yeah. I thought, never mind. I may be thinking of another director. Yeah, no, if you guys haven't seen, uh, yeah, he grew up in Los Angeles. If you guys haven't seen Dope, really watch Dope. It is 
like it's dope. I, I I remember the wood being a thing. Like I remember it being a thing that people talked about back in the day. He directed mm-hmm. it. It was like a 1999 movie, the year that changed movies. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's been around. He's done a few things. Oh sure. Uh, but yeah, he's it's doing like, projects it, it, that he yeah, wants dope to do. Is really something. Yeah, it's really something that has has kind of uh, given him a good good stepping stone, and he has this opportunity. And I think, yeah, I think my theory is that he went in and he's like, hey, here's what I like about the Flash, and the people that he was pitching it to, likely Johns, possibly just someone else in the studio. They were like, this is not, again, this movie needs to have this end point. Mm -hmm, We mm -hmm. need the character to be here at the end of it. And it might have been something like, you know, it's like, we need this to be darker or we need this to be Deadpool or we need this to be whatever it is the executives have gotten into their head. Yeah, Yeah. whatever the executives have gotten into their head. And that is not the movie that he wanted to make. Or it needs to not be fun. Right, right. Either way, right? Because they're so, it's like, it it really is so so interesting to see what these like the, these things that DC goes through because they're like they are making movies like they're on the defensive, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and they shouldn't be. They don't mm-hmm. have to. There's this uh, like this perceived rivalry between Marvel and DC. I know that there's always been a rivalry between Marvel and DC, but this idea that because Marvel movies are doing well, it reflects poorly on on DC mm-hmm. is is artificial. It's unnecessary. And DC has this, or, uh, you know, Warner Brothers has this very reactive uh, way of making these movies, mm-hmm. of making them not that. Right. And not that is often not what the character is in the comics. It's often not what the other people are doing. And it's often not what they just did because it didn't work. Yeah. It, it right. feels right. like the studio is trying to be uh, pre 1930s Hollywood studios where they're just cranking out stuff left and right. Uh, in a day and age when they have to deal with unions and real time schedules and real people. So interesting. Uh, we'll follow this. We'll see who, who uh, shows up, uh, lands, uh, next as the director for, uh, the flash movie, uh, DC comics. Hey, I'm available. Uh, so is Rodrigo. So is Matthew. Uh, I, no, I'm, I'm sure I'm not have, a director. It doesn't matter. It's a DC movie. Uh, we'll keep you updated. <laughs> I'll edit that sucker. Uh, <laughs> I'm an ACES, but I'm not a director. Yeah. Yeah. See, again, I'd, I'd be all like, yeah, I mean, I'll write it, but something tells me that they wouldn't like my drafts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll start with fade in Wally West. You're fired. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and mine would be fade in Jay Garrick. No, 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 wait, let me finish. Jay yeah. Garrick gives you all the finger. You're fired. Listeners, head over to Majorspoilers.com for more news and uh, previews and all sorts of things that we do over there. And if you like what we do, if you like our talk, if you like our conversation and you want to uh, to help us out, head over to Patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. Sign up for a pledge amount. Doesn't matter how much. You can do as little or as much as you would like. It's one of those cool things where you can just set it and forget it. You want to do $2 a month? Boom. There you go. And uh, depending on your pledge level, you get a bunch of bonus content as well. If you like supporting the little guy, if you like supporting the arts, if you want to see shows like this continue, patreon.com slash major spoilers is where you need to go. All right. With that out of the way, let us jump into some reviews. Hey, uh, elections coming up and apparently comic books are teeming with political stuff. Whether you knew it or not. Now, Matthew, you have faith number five. This is the one that got a lot of attention over the last couple of weeks because uh, faith number five features Hillary Clinton uh, prominently on the cover or one of Mm -hmm. the covers. 
Uh, and yes. it also features her in the story as our uh, heroine Faith has to decide whether she's going to go and interview her or how she's going to handle uh, covering Hillary Clinton as a presidential candidate. And this has got so many people fired up that some comic book stores are not going to stock the issue. Some comic book mm-hmm. stores are refusing to put it out with the regular uh, comics because they are afraid it's going to offend their base. So I wonder, Matthew, mm-hmm. is Faith good or is Faith something that they should keep behind the counters this week? Well, I do not. And I do not ever, ever, ever espouse the theory that things should be kept behind the counters and hidden uh, unless you're dealing with clearly sexual adult material. But that's another matter entirely. The thing of it is, and this is very important, it was eight years ago that the number one selling back issue had the uh, presidential candidate on the cover. But that was, mm-hmm. uh, are you that talking about the Barack Obama one? That's after he was elected. Marvel. That was after he was elected. And that's where part of the controversy comes from is the Barack Obama cover was um, specifically because he was already president. This is one of the first times that we've seen presidential candidates take this spotlight. Savage Dragon did it in the 2012 election. I know mm. Savage Dragon on the cover of the issue, uh, presumably speaking for his creator, actually did a political thing. He said, I am endorsing Barack Obama for mm. president. Mm-hmm. Okay. There are two important things about this issue. One, the Hillary Clinton story is actually not the, the main story. It's actually the second story of three in the issue. Right. And two, the character herself actually makes the point that she should not be political. If she's going to be a hero, she's not necessarily going to pick sides and and do this. And she's been sent by her boss, her editor, because in her secret identity, Faith is actually working for a not-at-all-buzzline kind of uh, reporting uh, aggregator site. And she has been sent to write from her perspective as Faith, Zephyr, a story about uh, the uh, first female uh, presidential candidate, major party presidential candidate. And she actually spends a little bit, about a page, page and a half, talking to her editor about, should I do this? Will I do this? And then it's standard issue stuff. Bad guys show up and one of them has superpowers and there's a helicopter and Faith has to save the day. And then she uses her telekinesis to lift the wreckage up. And then uh, Secretary Clinton is like, hey, you're Faith. And then they take a selfie together and they talk about how it's difficult, you know, to to be a hero. And sometimes, you know, you have to do this. And with great power, you have to keep both feet on the ground. And it's a nice moment, but it is not, at least from my read, a political endorsement. Right. It's and I- basically a, it's a stunt casting moment. It's it's something where. She's there and she's like, thanks for saving me, Faith. And she's like, you know, you can't do everything alone. And they take a selfie together and it's not a political story. So let me ask you this. Is the cover Mm -hmm. then causing people to get inside, get all worked up? Is the cover inciting store owners and, and comic book readers, even though they haven't read the story and the story is nothing about Faith endorsing a political candidate? It's another example of. A, a comic book coming up against a, a real world situation in a manner that people are uncomfortable with. And when it's something where you're talking about, well, it's more realistic to have nine guys killed than everyone saved, everybody's fine with it. 
you know, we, we've seen these arguments about whether you should have a specific political perspective, whether a feminist writer should be able to write a feminist comic, whether someone who, you know, has a, a right wing or left wing perspective should be able to write a comic based on their thought processes and perspectives. And as far as I'm concerned, yeah, you should, you can, and the audience will find you or not. This is something where we're dealing with an unusual public figure, a very polarizing public figure. And I think that people are responding based on their pre-expectations of that public figure. Mm -hmm. And so Valiant basically says, hey, this comic features a public figure. And everybody says, well, I believe X about her and thus this comic is bad and vice versa. I believe Y about her and thus this comic is wonderful. Here's yeah, the thing so, about this comic. Yeah, go ahead. It is an okay comic. It is well drawn. Um, all of the stories in the issue are very interesting, very well written, and it has that faith edge to it. The story featuring Secretary Clinton is written by Louise Simonson, who is a veteran of decades of comics. Wheezy writes a good book. And this story is specifically written, and you, I, I think you can see it and read it and feel it as this is not, this is not an endorsement. This is Faith being a superhero character doing her thing, you know, breaking through boundaries, maybe being important historically, and finding a character who does relate to that. So, I would say if the very presence of that public figure in the book makes you angry to the point where you can't stand it, don't buy the book. Stay away from the book. Don't get involved in the book. Don't yell at people online do about they, the book. Just let it go. Do they do they talk about Clinton's political views in the comic? No. There is no politics in the comic at all. Faith is in a fight. Exo Manowar shows up. Faith telekinetically lifts some rubble. And then she has a brief conversation uh, literally, Secretary Clinton is like, thank you for saving me. And Faith is like, hey, I'm just trying to make the world a better place. And, you know, Secretary Clinton is like, yeah, I'm trying to do that, too. So, again, it's something where I don't feel like it's a political story at all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, Secretary Clinton is appears in three pages of 36 out of the book. And at no point does even Faith say, you're awesome. I'm going to go vote for you. Other people should too. She doesn't even reference the election except in as much as, oh my God, I just saved a famous person. Yeah. So I, I don't know, man. I think that, first of all, you know my thoughts on responding sight unseen to solicitations or one paragraph uh, things. It's really, it's just a question of, it's, it's all in your head at that point. Now, granted, I fully believe and support anyone and everyone's ability to not pick something up because they think it's going to be disturbing, offensive, if it's something that they're just not into. That's cool. That's your deal. You have the right to not read whatever you want and vice versa. But I think that were I still in comic book retailing and someone were telling me that there's you know special procedures with this book specifically because it features a political candidate, I'd want to know why, because it doesn't feel like there's anything in the issue that justifies it. And when I worked at the store, if a book came in that had heavily adult material or specifically if it had uh, unclad female uh, upper torsos, 
we would bag that book and seal it and it would go on the the wall with the other books and it would have a little sticker on the front that said mature readers i would say that if it was that big a deal i might do something like that i might you know put that out there as a mature readers book or you know something to the effect of not for everyone but there's nothing here that constitutes really a unless the existence of someone a real world person who is running for political office is is too much politics. I, I think there that's what even, most people are upset about. There isn't. I mean, there isn't even a reference so much to well, the presidential election. So, so it's. I, I mean, sorry, sorry to jump in here. Like the, it. The thing is, is like nobody, nobody forced the hand of the author to have Hillary Clinton in it, right? right. That we know. So of, sure. it's sure. I mean, there might have been some pressure from editorial or whatever, um, but. Uh, it seems unlikely like this, it, you know, no matter what from whether it's from the author or from the editor or from whoever, it's a deliberate choice. It's not like the news where you have to report on what happens and, you know, news outlets don't have control over uh, when a uh, when a press junket. Ha- well, they probably do have some control over that, but they don't have control over when uh, press releases are sent out or when a, a character says something crazy on Twitter or anything like that, right? And this all just happens, and sometimes it works out that one candidate gets more airtime than another for whatever reason, right? right. It's like that is not what's happening here. This is all deliberately written by a person, and in one way or another, it's actually spotlighting that character. So. Even though I agree with Matthew that, you know, what he's described doesn't constitute an endorsement in a way like nobody forced this to happen. Like Mm -hmm. this was an author saying, I'm going to put this real world person in my comic and I'm going to guess specifically not the other real world person that she's running against. Mm, No, there's no reference to. Right. So there's there's something to that. And I get that, too. I can see it now. I know that the fairness doctrine was uh, no, that only is, that doesn't is cover defunct, comic books. But the equal time rule, I believe, is still in play in a television type setting. Yeah, is that not, oh, sure, sure, not, yeah, not well uh, in news, right? I mean, would there be I, honestly? Would there be any reason to expect sort of an equal time rule in in a situation no. like this? I mean, no, no, no. no. Again, I, I'm, I'm not going to tell anybody to vote, how to vote, when to vote, where to vote. I'm not going to tell you. I, I know I voted last week, but I'm not going to tell you what I did. I am going to tell you this, that what it really comes down to is this is an example of comic book stunt casting. This is tying into a current, uh, uh, you know, a topical reference and they've done it a million times. Pat Boone was in Superman. There's an issue of Superman where Superman teams up with um, a young Orson Welles, who is a radio superstar, and they fight men from Mars. And that is literally what this comic book is mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. It is just a big topical reference going, da da And yes, there is an alternate cover featuring Secretary Clinton and Faith doing the, the posing and doing their thing. And that I can see maybe someone would look at it a little bit differently than the actual thing, but it's, it is not the primary cover, correct? It's one of the alternates. I think it's one of the alternate okay. covers. So I don't know. I mean, I think what it's really going to boil down to is for me, 
This is a solid comic book story. I love Faith. I like all the writers in play. I'm going to give this book three and a half slices of meatloaf. I don't find anything offensive in here, but I'm not the arbiter of what people find offensive. But I would say that, as always, kind of draw the line at jumping on other people's case, say, I don't know, going on the Internet and finding people on the Twitter and yelling at them for reviewing this comic on a certain website's podcast. Because that, I think, is over the line. So, I, you know. You got that going for you, which is nice. I don't think anyone's going to well, do that. Well, if they do, they do. That's their decision. I mean, everyone can decide to get blocked by Matthew. It's cool. It is It is let the us, nature uh, of democracy. Let us continue the political discussions over DC Comics, which, Who is- hey, guess what? I think what? a lot of people will be talking about uh, Catwoman, mm-hmm. election night number one, when it arrives in, uh, in stores tomorrow or when people are finally able to pick it up and uh, buy it. This is uh, a Catwoman story that uh, takes place that... Uh, there's a little time jumping going on. We get to see um, a Catwoman as a young girl in the orphanage. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Miss Hilly's uh, home for wayward girls or whatever it is. And we get to see some of the Isn't other. Isn't it Foster's home for imaginary friends? I, I don't remember which one it is, but uh, uh, there are no imaginary friends here because we get to meet some of the other orphans that are staying at this home. And uh, we get to see some of them are not very nice to Catwoman. And she's, you know, upset about this. But Miss Hilly is very nice. And we flash forward to present day. And it's election time. And just so happens one of the girls who was a former um, um, orphan got adopted and is now running for mayor of Gotham City. Hey, good on you. But there's something weird going on. Right. And uh, we come to find out something horrible happened in the past because this woman isn't necessarily right in the head. And one and, and uh, Catwoman is able to discover all these kinds of things and is able to save Miss Hilly's home uh, with a little help from Batman, who kind of knew what Catwoman was working on and kind of gave her the necessary information uh, that she needed, not against the uh, the female candidate, but against the male candidate for mayor. And who mm-hmm. do you think would be the male mayoral candidate for Gotham City? Uh, Jim Gordon. no. Wrong. RV Dent. No, uh, wrong. Oswald Cobblepot. Oswald Cobblepot. Correct. Rodrigo Gold Star for you, and not Oswald Cobblepot from the Joe Gotham Potato. TV se- from the TV series, and not Oswald Cobblepot from you know more recent uh, a DC continuity, but the gross, ugly, disgusting oh, really? Cobblepot, like Danny DeVito. Yeah, it comes uh, off as penguin. very much. It the drawings come off very much like Danny DeVito Penguin, and guess why. Cobblepot wants to tear down Miss Hilly's home for wayward girls. Uh, because there's fish inside and he wants to eat them. <laughs> no. Rodrigo, would you like another gold star? Uh, the only thing I can think of is because uh, that's where he was dropped off as a baby. No. Because he wants to build a wall around Gotham City and make Gotham uh, City great again. No. Yes. No. I hit that and I was like, okay, look, I'm not a big fan of uh, what's his name. But everything that one particular candidate has said in this election that has got fired up, Oswald Cobblepot says in about four panels in one page, in one oh, big diatribe no. of hate speech coming out in front of the during a mayoral debate. Oh no. And so they drew him think, as the disgusting Danny DeVito. Oh. Pretty much is that's how I kind of looked at it as the big nosed, gross looking three fingered, uh, Oswald Cobblepot. 
That's how I saw it. So this is really interesting. And I'm glad that you decided to review faith number five, because I was reading Catwoman. I was like, holy cow, people are upset about politics in their comics. And this one is really the politics isn't taking the, the, the front of the story, but they play up this big debate. They make this big debate going on and the person who shouldn't do it, the criminal who is trying to make things right, who wants uh, Gotham city to be great again, who wants to build a wall around Gotham city. And this place just happens to be in the way. It's rather odd how, what character they chose to be this candidate in a throwaway. Uh, what this is essentially is, is a throwaway issue. Mm-hmm. That's it's, it's really interesting that that contrast, because it's like the exact opposite approach, right? It's like in, in Matthew's comic, uh, there is like actually There's that actually, political yes. figure, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it doesn't take a partisan bent. Right, and in right. this comic, it's all allegory. You can't tell them like nobody can say that that person was actually in this comic. This right, is the right. penguin. What are you right. talking right. about? But it's the an fact, allegory on the banks direct of the shot at him, right? But the fact yeah. that that Cobblepot's speech is using exact words and phrases by a particular candidate is what really surprised me. And there, and it's not like they're trying to do it. And they're, and in my mind, and this is why I think this is going to get a lot of heat from people in my mind, they are painting this candidate as a gross, disgusting person because of Oswald Cobblepot. And I find that very fascinating that, as you said, one approach is let's feature the candidate in the, in the page. The other one, let's make a uh, not so subtle allegorical reference to Cobblepot. I, I sent you guys a picture really quick. You can tell me if that doesn't look like oh, wow. gross Danny DeVito cobble pot. It definitely does. So yeah. then, you so, know, but, your that, but again, comes. The, the, the thing is that's not central to the story. It is the murder that was committed. That is central to the story that Catwoman is doing. And she ends up d- d- does save the, uh, the home for wayward girls. And it's a good thing because one of the wayward girls who's sitting there saying, uh, and Miss Hilly says, you know, someday maybe you can grow up to be mayor. And the little girl we cut to and says, forget that. I'm going to grow up and be president. And who do you think that little girl is? Jim Gordon. <sighs> Joe Potato. Uh, is it? Is it? Um, it is Prez. The girl Prez that we've oh, seen. Oh, baby Prez. Who also, grow, who also gets a backup a story in this issue, which again is very political talk. And again, Prez is always very political. Yeah, uh, Prez but, is wonderful. But uh, they're talking about Second Amendment and uh, women's rights and all of these kinds of things in the Prez backup story. I thought it was very it was clever in a way that Prez often is smack you in the face kind of clever. But I to be honest, when I saw election night, I thought it was going to be something very, very plain, very generic. Uh, But it really kind of surprised me in the in the little two page debate thing uh, that kind of shocked me overall. So I think people are going to be talking about this this week in some way, shape or form. Uh, or maybe people aren't going to buy this book at all. I mean, it's Catwoman on the cover. It's a one shot. Um, you know, Catwoman is not as hot as, as Harley Quinn right now, as far as a, as a character that everyone wants. So maybe mm-hmm. it'll just blow over until someone points this out. But, uh, I was very surprised a little taken aback by this. And I will bet that more people will be offended by Catwoman election night than they will be by faith. Number three, the art in this issue is fantastic, I think. I really enjoyed the art in both the uh, main feature and the backup story. I thought the writing was fine, although kind of ham-fisted for the villain reveal and what was going on. I mean, you pretty much knew what was going on a quarter of the way in 
Um, but uh, I still enjoyed it. I think some people won't, and I think some people will take uh, serious offense to this. I'm still giving the issue Catwoman Election Night number one from DC Comics three out of five slices of meatloaf. So there you go. So uh, two political comics uh, in our political major spoilers podcast. Rodrigo, please tell us you have something that is going to get someone worked up on the politics side. Oh, wait, you're talking about aliens. Yeah, resident alien. Oh, Nobody told guys. me. Nobody told me that I had to well, review something controversial. But is, he, is this I alien will say, here legally? Is Sam Hain, Hain here legally or illegally? No, the uh, it's Doctor Harry. Sam Hain oh. is like is a different character. Is oh, a okay. is a fictional character within the uh, within the uh, resident alien. Okay, there you go. Uh, universe. But there is an election in this comic. Oh, really? Uh, so there you go. Yeah. Yep, the mayor, the mayor of the town gets reelected again. In like, I'm, I'm just like, I've, I've spoken about this before. I'm just consistently mesmerized by this comic that just has like, most of the time, just has this doctor living this like crushingly mundane life with kind of like the specter. Like, there's a murder to be solved, uh, which is like, uh not always at the forefront of what's happening because he's waiting for like lab results or whatever. And then like the specter that he might someday be found out by the American government. Right. And they're like, kind of like tightening their, their circles around them. Um, but they're not quite there yet. So in this episode, there's an election night, there's a nice conversation over coffee. Um, there are some developments and really not much happens. Um, basically, uh, last issue, there was a cliffhanger about, uh, another person who can kind who can tell that Harry's an alien. Um, and this time around, uh, we just basically finished the conversation and, and, and the tension is kind of let out a little bit as you realize that this person doesn't want to expose them. Um, but, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that, uh. Are, are the, the titular characters uh, out of out of the uh, out of the frying? Well, he might be out of the frying pan into the fire. Um, I was concerned. I talked about this uh, last time I reviewed Resident Alien that there's this girl who can tell that there's something off about him, um, and it never struck me that this girl was Native American. And then we meet her father, who can also tell, um, and. Um, mm. they're native Americans and I was, I was kind of worried about that. Um, so until more native Americans, uh, meet Harry and they are not, uh, it, they can't immediately tell that he's an alien. Um, this, this one gets pinned, you know, to, to, to yeah. figure out, uh, <laughs> like stick, interestingly stick in that for later. Yeah. Interestingly, the way to get around that uh, problem is, or, or that that thing, is to just never have another Native American in the in the series. But that's that's <laughs> probably that's probably not what not what I'm going for here. Um, uh, but yeah, like I said, uh, there is an election. The mayor gets elected, and it's found out that his opponent uh, is uh, and him are actually lovers. Like he's running against this lady, and they've been dating. And again, this is like in a sleepy town in like northern Washington. So it's like everybody's like, yep, we already kind of knew. 
you know like <laughs> there's only one restaurant and you eat there together every night yeah pretty much and it's like oh man like again it's like this comic is very enjoyable the art is great um again you know it's the 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 really normal everyday town stuff is really a um it is it, like the 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 art um by steve parkhouse like is really amazing because character design was you can always tell who everybody is and these aren't people that are told apart by cool helmets or laser guns coming out of their shoulders or being part fish there's only one purple guy and everybody else is a normal human um and you can usually tell who is who the character design is strong the character expressions and and everything is 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 very well done and when you consider something like uh the comic that we're going to be reading later where some of the um a lot of the characters you might find have a heavy dose of same phase um it's actually that much more impressive right it's like this doesn't this actually isn't the norm in comics um, I've spoken about the art before, and I, I, I've always felt that it's really strong. And really, that's a big part of what uh, continues to be a draw for me is this, um, these kind of like kind, like uh, was it like uh, kind folks and gentle people that uh, Harry interacts with, uh, dear hearts and gentle people um, that uh, that live in his hometown. And and their expressions as uh, as are depicted by the artist. So uh, I'll give a Resident Alien uh, three slices of meatloaf. It doesn't quite get that many. Obviously, an above average effort as usual, uh, but doesn't get that many because pretty much nothing happens in this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the the plot is basically not advanced, and you know it's like well, you got to give us something. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you but, say Steve Parkhouse? Uh, yes. So he's uh, his credit. Is he here always drawn this series? Uh, maybe. It's no. uh, hang on, I'll find out. Now I have to go look for this book. He used to draw the Adventures of the Sixth Doctor in comics. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. I love that. He's good. I'm, I'm pretty sure he has been. Man, now you made me read a new comic book, Rodrigo. He's only been but talking been, about it for like four years. I have. Well, I, I don't I've been listen. Following <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, he's been, mean, he's, he's been on this series since the beginning. No, that's that's the thing is like I, I really can't say anything because I think the first time I picked up Mister X was it Mister X, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, man, oh man, this comic is so crazy times. Like Matthew was like, I've literally talked to you directly about Mister X before. <laughs> I was like, oh uh, yeah, I was I wasn't listening. Hey Beavis, yeah. <laughs> So what's the bottom okay. line on this, Rodrigo? Uh, three slices. Let me All right. There you go. Nice. That's All right. People. Listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. Share your thoughts. Maybe you've picked up these comic books and maybe you've uh, maybe you've read the one that is highly political, the one that's meh, mediocre political and one that eh, has an election, but it's not even uh, talked about. So mm-hmm. we'd like to hear your thoughts if you've read those comics and what you thought, thought about that. I did have someone uh, send me a Twitter message the other day that says, is it just me or... Uh, or are other people sick and tired of politics encroaching upon their comic books? Oh, it's about to get a lot more political listeners right after the major spoilers poll of the week. You know what we haven't done in a long time? What's that? The full poll of the week intro. Uh, there's only one poll of the week. It's time now for the major spoilers poll of the week. And the week, <laughs> this week, we are taking a look at another super fight. 
Ah, from the highly acclaimed game that everyone is playing from, uh, what is it, Skybound Entertainment. It's Super Fight, where you combine a, uh, a character and a trait, and you put, put them in battle with one another and see who's going to come out on top. It's kind of like Cards Against the Humanity, but a little bit more debatey. Uh, but uh, this week, who would win in a fight? Jason Statham made of vegetables or Smoke Monster wearing giant clown shoes? Rodrigo. What? Your well, choices are who's going to win in a fight, Matthew. Jason Statham made of vegetables or Smoke Monster wearing giant clown shoes. Here's here's what's real interesting about this particular super fight. I feel okay. like a lot of the time the secondary condition is something that adds to it, right? Like right, say, right. Uh, I believe the last time uh, like reigning me. champion is a giraffe with a glue hot glue gun, mm-hmm. right, or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um. In this one, I feel that both of them are actually weaknesses, right? So, uh, Jason Statham, uh, kick-ass action hero, jumping around, jumping over turnstiles, punching guys, transporting things from back and forth. Um, but if he's made of vegetables, he's probably a little bit uh, flimsier, especially if the vegetables aren't very like tightly bound together. And it's the same thing. You know, we've seen smoke monsters and lots of stuff, and they're dangerous opponents, Uh both to the characters and to the cohesion of a narrative. Uh, if you know what particular smoke monster I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but if they're wearing clown shoes, it's like, they. what are they going to do with them? Do they like carry them in the smoke form? Do they have to leave them behind if they smoke out? I think that uh, creates a lot of uh, problems for the smoke monster. So I'm going to give it to uh, Vegetable Statham um, because I think that uh, by having a physical thing that it would have, to, I, I'm, I mean, why would, why would it have them? Obviously those clown shoes are important to the monster. Um, that creates a, a big enough weakness that, uh, potato stay them can, uh, can exploit. There you go. Matthew, what are your thoughts? Boy, I think when it comes down to the battle of, uh, Jason swamp thing versus vapor juggalo, <laughs> I have to fall on the side of the vapor juggalo for two reasons. One when you say made of vegetables, that's dumb. So obviously, <laughs> the smoke oh, monster, smoke monster has is not dumb. Okay, I, I see what you're saying. Yes. No, smoke monster is less dumb. I mean, you, you, there are examples of smoke. But he's wearing clown characters. shoes. Smoke type characters can work successfully. Vegetable type characters, I mean, you you boil them, swamp you parboil thing. them. Sure. Okay, yeah. swamp thing. Swamp Thing's not a vegetable. He's a plant. There's a difference. A vegetable is a specific offspring of a something, 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 science, whatever. Are you done? No, I'm just trying to figure out your argument here. Well, I'm trying to make my argument. There are some formidable vegetables in media. Um, True. You know, your Audrey Twos, your Watermelon Stevens. Your Space Turnip. Yeah. There's There's a lot of that to be. But still, you have... Let's okay. We're presuming Jason Statham made of vegetables is a simulacrum of Jason Statham mm-hmm. made of vegetable matter. So he's got like a turnip for a head and carroty arms and little celery legs. That's cool. But the smoke monster wearing the giant clown shoes, first of all, has the power to like disapparate or, you know, be partly, even if he's got the clown shoes on, he can be partly smoky um, with a chance of rain later in the afternoon. And then he has the power of. <laughs> And so I went with the smoke monster wearing the giant clown shoes just because 
if nothing else, it seems more topical. And this is a topical episode. Mm, mm, might need some topical ointment later. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go with Jason Statham made of vegetables because every movie that I've seen that Jason Statham stars in, he always wins. So I think that <laughs> right there is your answer. Every time I've yeah, seen a smoke monster, the smoke monster always loses because he's a monster. Jason Statham, not a monster. Uh, I beg to differ. If you've seen the crank movies, that oh, no, he's not a monster. The movie is horrible, but he's not a monster. A, that character is a monster. no. He's, he's just trying to stay alive. Dude. He's just trying to make it in this world, just like everyone else. <laughs> like Mary Tyler Moore. Like Mary Tyler Moore. Down, that if you if you stayed if you pay, if you stayed past the end of that himself. horrible movie, uh, uh, Crank Two, ugh, which is a horrible movie. If you stayed past the credits, you saw Statham walk out into the middle of the square and toss his uh, um, um, jumper cables up in the air. And then and then there was a little cat that meowed. Mm, that's not true. Yeah. Is totally and I'm true. never going to watch that movie. You watch I've that movie seen, and find out, and you'll see. I don't want to see that. Freeze I've frame. seen it's Human Resources, thank you very much, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to watch that movie. Okay. I watched Unfriended, and I'm not going to watch that movie. Mm. Speaking of the poll of the blame, week. I don't blame you, though. For watching Unfriended? For not watching Crank 2. It's a horrible movie. Statham <laughs> still wins in the end. Was but, he made of vegetables? Um, I think he was a vegetable by the end of the movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> how has how has everyone voted so far in this week's major spoilers poll of the week? Who would win in a fight? Jason Statham made of vegetables or smoke monster wearing clown shoes? Giant, giant clown shoes. There are not a lot of votes in the bag right now. So this one is up in the air. 53% saying smoke monster wearing giant clown shoes. Only 47%, but again, at the level we're looking at, this is like three votes difference. Jason Statham, made of vegetables, is still not behind in all of the swing states. So there is a chance that he can win the Electoral Vegetable College and take this whole poll. The Electoral Collard Green? Mm. Yes! That's Mm -hmm. what I said. Go back and edit that. (laughs) In mid-sentence, I'll just turn into Rodrigo and it'll be fine. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Listeners, head over to Majorspoilers.com. Cast your vote in the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week. This uh, very political episode of Major Spoilers Podcast is being brought to you by Tweaked Audio. Hey, you don't have to be political to to know that Tweaked Audio uh, headphones are the best (laughs) in the world. Nine out of ten people endorse them. uh, And uh, you can save some money now. Head over to TweakedAudio.com. Use the checkout code MAJOR. Save 33% off the price. Thanks, Tweaked Audio, for sponsoring this episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast. I was going to say all sorts of things, like it would be un-American not to go to tweakedaudio.com. Don't do that. I won't do that. Because not all so of many, our listeners are American. I know, and so many of our fine international fans go to tweakedaudio.com, and they still get that same 33% discount, which is, you know, a good deal. Well, well you'd think that it wouldn't apply to them then. It's like, well, it's un-American to do it. It's like, well, I'm German, so whatever. Yeah. True. Yeah. Icked, have a nicked. Tweaked Audio. Everyone in the world, go to tweakedaudio.com. Use the checkout code MAJOR. Save 33% off the price. Je ne pas parler. You know, since we're talking about uh, uh, elections, politics, all this stuff in this week's Major Spoilers podcast, totally unintentional, Uh, uh, I thought we should go back to a time in the 2000s where DC Comics elected a president. I don't think they hated all of us. Actually, I have some thoughts on on this. That was actually kind of a good deal for 
for DC Comics. But someone, Jeff Johns or Jeff, uh, Jeff Loeb, I think, thought it would be a great idea if everyone in the DC universe voted for Lex Luthor to, come, to become president of the United States. And thus we have President Lex or President Lex Luthor. Came out in 2000, I believe. Collects a whole yeah. bunch of comics. Most of the Superman comics that ran uh, during this time. Action comics, Superman, Man of Steel, uh, Adventures of Superman, uh, Lex Luthor, uh, Secret Files and Origins. And a Lex, uh, a Lex 2000 standalone issue, which... Yeah. Mm. So here's the deal. Um, Lex Luthor thinks that he can control the world by becoming president. He may be right. I mean, a lot of people think that president of the United States is the highest power in the world. And I think Lex sees this as a stepping stone to becoming a world leader or world ruler. And he's going to do it in every way possible by throwing out all of the good things that the people want to hear doing some weird things behind his back. He hires Talia Agul, uh, Talia Heed to take over uh, the um, the runnings of LexCor while he's running for president. And, you know, spoiler, everyone, he does become president. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that's most interesting about this series is seeing Superman and his friends reaction to Lex Luthor running as as president. Obviously, Perry White is against the idea, but, you know, slowly becomes resigned to it. Uh, Jimmy Olsen just thinks it's a funny joke that this can't be real. This can't be happening. Lois Lane is is right there with her husband. How dare Lex Luthor run for president? He's the worst person in the world. We've been covering him and all of his horrible things that he's been doing. And of course, Superman's like, how can I let Lex Luthor win the presidency? I should do something, shouldn't I? And I think that's where the interesting part of this series comes in is this moral dilemma that Superman has. If I take out Lex Luthor from being president, I'm denying the rights of people to vote in a free election. I am essentially becoming that dictator that, that casts out those that I don't like. But on the other hand, if I let Lex Luthor become president, I'm screwed. And I think that's kind of the interesting underlying thing that runs throughout this entire series. No, Matthew, you don't think so? I don't. And the the main reason why is that, as with so many attempts to merge comics with current events, it asks a really big multifaceted question that writes a check that the comic book, uh, and these creators specifically, don't seem to be able to cash. I mean, the idea of Lex Luthor as president of the United States is one of those fascinating ideas. But as with so many of the big kind of, you know, high concept ideas in recent comics, it's a closed ended story. Lex Luthor as president goes one place and that's Lex Luthor goes crazy and is removed from the presidency and everybody breathes a big sigh of relief, which is what happens. Not in these pages. No, not in I these pages. Not you for, have to jump. Not for another jump. couple, three years. Yeah, you have to jump to Superman, Batman when when that uh, team up series first started. That was the whole Lex went crazy. Two, I think. Yeah, he went crazy with so, power, and that's how he was impeached and kicked right. out of he office. He was textually president for two years, or maybe you know a couple, four, mm-hmm. three or four dozen mm-hmm. Superman mm-hmm. books. But what this comic does more than anything is repeat itself, and part of that is the nature of. 
the the week to week we're dealing with three or four different books the week to week change over from title to title to title it's like when you read prince valiant and every prince valiant starts with the end of the last prince valiant and you don't really get a lot of progression because they're spending time telling you what happened last week right. and then they set up something and then next week we come in and it tells us what we just saw there's a lot of that in these pages and Which- you know, for an event, I mean, this is a this isn't a major uh, company wide event or a publishing wide yeah. event. This is a major event inside the Superman it's comics, a, and so you've got a line wide. Yeah. yeah, so you've got Adventures of Superman doing some things with uh, Supergirl has to get in on this, and then you've got the alternating Superman, Superman, Man of Steel, and Action Comics all coming out on alternating weeks or twice a month. I forget how those issues came out at that time, but I was pretty sure it went one a week, and then there was a skip week. And right, it, it was once over a week, again. and then the fifth week was Superman Man of Tomorrow. Yeah, and so I can see Which I don't that think is collected here. If you are only an Action Comics reader, or if you're only in a, a Man of Steel reader, or whatever, that you kind of have to put that stuff in there. But there's, there's, with those multiple creators, there's also different levels of subtlety in dealing mm-hmm. with that central conceit, mm-hmm. and you know, we see that in things like Civil War II, where certain books will focus on different aspects of what we see as that central conceit. And that's great. I think it's wonderful that you have those multiple stories being told and looking at different aspects of Superman, but they are not really different. It's, you know, in one book, he's talking with Lana Lang and Lana's like, no, Pete, Pete Ross is the vice president and he will, he will help keep him in, you know, in check. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. in another book, the Martian Manhunter is explaining to him how he admires him for trying to be a part of, of the human society. And it's really the same thing. It's really just Superman kind of wrestling with a concept that we know in a lot of ways he's, he's, we know what he's going to do. Superman is going to not come in and wipe out Luthor and there's going to be a villain and the villain's going to attack Luthor and Superman is going to be forced to protect the president. And on that level, he's going to be seen as someone he's protecting the president. So Superman's clearly on board with the, with the Lex Luthor thing. And I think my biggest complaint about this, and we saw this before when we did the, um, was it emperor Joker? Not mm-hmm. so long ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With the Superman titles jumping back and forth and jumping back and forth. The spine of the story is often lost so that we can go, hey, here's four pages where we explain the star-spangled kid in Stripesy, who just debuted in their own series over here, but they're part of this big crossover. And the star-spangled kid is like a huge part of maybe 10 pages of this story for reasons which remain somewhat unclear. And in a lot of ways, when they do those cartoon adaptations that you love so much, Stephen, they do distill these things down and they take out some of those weird side trips. And in a lot of ways it makes the story stronger. And I mm-hmm, mm-hmm. have they, have they done this one in the cartoon? No, they have not. The, the, I mean, there's an alternate, I think there's an alternate universe one yeah. where Lex is president, <clears throat> but you know, honestly, I'm surprised this is, I mean, there is a way to do this story that doesn't cast dispersions on any one person. And still tell a fascinating story about a man's struggle with what do I do with democracy and what democracy represents and what I know I should be doing to right. stop this. And, and again, I think that's the I think that's the strongest part of this entire series. Rodrigo, what are your, what are your thoughts a, about this? Yeah, I, 
I mean, I agree with that. I think so. I, I talk to a lot of people about comics, and I know the I know a, a lot of people who are like, "How can anyone ever write a Superman story?" Right? It's like Superman can't be killed, he can't get hurt, nothing can happen to him. So, um, really, this uh, President Lex storyline is, I think, just like this perfect model of what a Superman story should be, except that it's executed very poorly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it is this, you know, it's like you don't attack Superman physically, you attack his moral core, which is what makes him what he actually is. Um, so yeah, in this Superman wrestles with, well, I certainly have the power to punch the president into the sun, but who would I be if that happened? Except he barely ever articulates that. Because we're jumping back and forth, um, suddenly, uh, you know, Wonder Girl and Impulse show up, and they're like, "Oh boy, fish!" Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, you know, there's like all of this stuff is just like constantly happening that has nothing to do with like what what feels like should be the thesis of the book takes a back seat to well, it to the point where like, mm-hmm. uh, and again, everything's so back and forth that even like there are times. I could swear that it's like it's already a foregone conclusion that Luther's going to be president or maybe he's already won. And then we bounce back to another issue where like right. that's still mm-hmm. in the process mm-hmm. of happening. Mm-hmm. And it just like, again, the potential for a, 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 a thinking man, Superman story, you know, do I use my power and make the world a better place? Like I know. And in the process betray what America represents or do I let America screw itself because that's what it wants? You know, right. like that, that moral conundrum could have been one of the greatest Superman stories ever Here, told. Here's the thing. You said that the, you, you felt like some things are taking a backseat. And honestly, I think this whole president Lex thing in the way that it's presented in this volume was supposed to be this underlying thing, right? Yeah. Where, Superman's too busy dealing with this Brainiac 13 technology and how it's affecting Metropolis and truly making it the world of tomorrow. And at the same time, he's trying to keep an eye on something that's going on, not his his main problem, right? I mean, he's angry and he's upset about this and he's destroying small moons around Saturn in his anger. But it if the focus were specifically on Superman's moral quandary only – that would be a great book. Unfortunately, you can't take Superman's moral quandary and make it last 12 issues over you, the you course could. of two months. I mean, they I try think here, but they can't because people expect Superman to punch and to slam and to beat things. And Superman sitting around thinking is not exciting and, and by itself does not sell comics. Well, the thing is, is that there could still be action. There could still be space monsters and stuff. And there are brief glimpses of things that could carry the book. You Mm -hmm. could actually do a 12 issue book in which is it's a team up book. And Superman talks to like is solving a crime with Aquaman is solving a crime with Plastic Man is solving a crime with Wonder Woman. And he's like, what do you think about this? This is killing Mm -hmm. me. And they give him their perspective. And, you know, and, and it's they, like, but this in this yeah. one, it that that was crushed down to a single like bonus issue, like, right? I think it was the Adventures of Superman Holiday Special or whatever it was. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Action Comics seven seventy three or whatever, which I thought was probably the best issue, whichever issue that was, was the best issue in the story where Superman's going around at Christmas time giving everyone their presents and everything, and he's and he goes to to Aquaman and he's like, Aquaman, how can you? 
how can you side with Luthor on this? I mean, it's Lex Luthor and Aquaman's like, look, as a as a as a as a hero, I agree with you. He's reprehensible, but he's talking about things that will actually help improve Atlantis surface relations. And because of yeah. that, as a king, I kind of have to support him for this. Or he's the first he's the first US president who's willing to talk to us like the terrorists, like <laughs> not like the terrorists that we clearly are, right. because Aquaman never tries to talk first. And he right. and he does try to go and talk to and you, you Matthew, you said with the Martian Manhunter scene where mm-hmm. um you know John Jones is just like, Hey man, I applaud you for doing this, but I'm an alien. I have no business in any of this stuff, and I'm glad right. I'm staying out of it. Oh, by the way, thank you for the Oreos, which are not called I Oreos in DC Universe. They're chocolate. Yeah. yeah. They used to be Oreos, but they couldn't. The Can biggest I? problem with this issue for me is, and don't get me wrong, you are coming in. Everybody knows Lex Luthor. Right. Everybody knows that Lex Luthor is the evilest evil that ever did evil. But Asterix. it opens it opens with a story that clearly puts us in Lex's head and basically says Lex is only doing this because he's jealous of Superman and he hates him. Mm-hmm. Had this been more ambiguous as ambiguous as you can get when you're dealing with a Lex Luthor figure. I think I might've liked it a little more. You can yeah. do this in such a way that Lex isn't clearly scheming for his own goals. You have Lex get into office or go on the campaign trail and have Lex say the right things and do the right things and seemingly be on all the right track. Right. Have Lex Luthor say the the important things that Superman believes. Yeah. Have Lex Luthor as the the truth, justice, and the American way candidate and get everyone behind him and have no evidence of chicanery or wrongdoing or two-facedness. And then the, the thing becomes, is Lex what we see? But this story right up front, it give it does two unforgivable sins for me. First, it gives us the villain's motivation right up front. The first two issues of this in this collected trade are Lex being yahaha. And secondly, the unforgivable sin of giving me a character whose name is pronounced differently than it's spelled right, and right, having right. her say in dialogue, yeah. but it's, it's pronounced like this yeah, yeah. when you just said it out loud. Right. Yeah. yeah right, that. Right. That was that, that is was just like silly. just such classic like comics problems, yeah, right? Yeah, right? It's like oh, That's... everybody's gonna call her head unless I explain it, but right. there's no actual way of explaining it. Right. That's why I stopped reading the Incarnations of Immortality so many years ago mm-hmm. because there was a character whose name is spelled like Gawain, but it's pronounced Gawain, and they spend so much time in these books explaining how it goes, and I'm just like, no, we're done mm-hmm. here. You're, you're you're gone. You're bad. You're stupid. And that's the point where I started to go, this book is a slog. I'm gritting my teeth. Uh, you might want to so, unplug your microphone, plug it back in, Matthew. The other, Here's another thing. I, I still find that that moral dilemma is very interesting and I, I think is what's the strong part of the book. But I agree with you, Rodrigo. It would have been nice if there were team-ups, real team-ups going on. Because at one point in this story, we see Batman breaking into Lex Luthor's um, hotel on the eve of his um, uh, winning the election to try and get the kryptonite ring. There's a far better There is a far better Batman breaking into the White House story that came, comes out like a year later where mm-hmm. Batman and Lois Lane team up to try and get that ring again. And that is a much better story than the one that we get here. So 
on the one hand, I can I, I really agree with you that this is not a strong volume as far as a sequential story goes. And I'm not even sure it's a strong story based on individual issues. But if you're looking at a broad stroke kind of thing and looking at the questions that Superman is asking, I think they are really good questions and seeing him trying to figure out for himself, how do I deal with this or do I even deal with it? Or, you know, do I just wait for him to step out of line? Uh, I think is is really the strongest part of this series. The other thing that I find interesting, and I've seen a couple of people comment about this, is that the reason why Lex Luthor was made president of the United States is because at this time, Superman's powers are starting to ramp back up to the point where he is starting to become, you know, fly into the sun to clean my cape kind of Superman. Mm. And that by making Lex Luthor president of the United States, you're creating a villain that has a power set that is, because of his position, as strong as what Superman is, you know, to counter what Superman's strength is. Sure. And that's that's actually always been the strength of a well-written Lex Luthor, right? Is that he's actually just way smarter than Superman. Mm-hmm. He can outmaneuver him. He can, like, do all this stuff, erase all... Uh, evidence of wrongdoing right so it's just like it's just superman pointing at him being like he's bad this guy is bad um a great example of this is the um i forget what it's called i think it might be called thunder um the episode with captain marvel from jlu um in which uh, luthor has captain marvel who is basically you know in in this incarnation basically billy batson power Mm -hmm. like piloting a a grown superman person right um rather than necessarily having the wisdom of salomon um and uh yeah he just has him completely convinced you know superman can't provide good enough evidence that luthor is actually doing something bad and basically he maneuvers both of them to do his bidding essentially you know that's that's the like uh that's the Luthor that I like because rather than being like a crazy guy shooting lasers out of a green power armor, he's someone that Superman can't deal with because he's actually not as smart as him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this a lot of a lot of the issues here art by Ed McGinnis and some people are going to love Ed McGinnis art. Some people don't. Uh, and so that may be a detriment to a lot of people. Um, uh, Jeff Loeb, Joe Kelly, Mark Schultz, Greg Rucka, Carl Kessel. Uh, all uh, wrote uh, in this uh, in this uh, series. So some of those people have moved on to other positions at other companies. Um, I, what are you going to say, more Matthew? bothered by the Pelletier art, uh, the Liefeld art, and the Ramos Oh my art. gosh, yes. So, in, in that holiday, spe- I'm sure it's a holiday special. It's got to be a holiday special. Yeah. Man, if you, uh, I know a lot of people hate Rob Liefeld art, and I would agree with you that the Aquaman appearance by Rob Liefeld, it's like a one-pager or two-page story. Ugh. Gross. Uh, it is so really, bad, right? It is really bad. Because it's like all close-ups of their face and mm-hmm. Rob Liefeld gives people like this diamond mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With massive amounts of teeth. Yeah, just and, more teeth. But than if you think about enough. the 2000s, though, all of these people are like at the time really hitting their stride as far as oh, popularity yeah, yeah. in in, um, in comics. That doesn't make them good. No, I didn't I mean, say that. I'm just saying that it, there's a lot of reasons why these creators and these artists are on this project, because this became a bit of a hit for DC Comics unknowingly. 
and they just happen to land with all of these people uh, in place to help make them some money. Mike, uh, you know, Mike, where R- 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 Ringo was uh, mm-hmm. on one of these, which is, I think it was the Supergirl issue. Um, yeah, Ringo I can deal with. Yeah, which was fantastic. Um, I don't know. Uh, I was really hoping. So if you're thinking that this book is going to include the entirety of Lex Luthor as president, including his downfall, it does not. And I don't think because of the way they then, after Luthor was elected and they had all the success at DC Comics, how they spread Luthor's presidency through a lot of different series, I don't think you would be able to collect any of that. You'd have to go and read specific issues um, to pick that stuff up. Um, I wanted a little bit more out of this than what I got. Um, You know, they make a lot of references to Luthor coming in and saving Gotham, which happened during the whole... uh, uh, earthquake and and uh, cata- cataclysm and epidemic and all that stuff that was going on. So um, yeah, this is I as I said m- many times, I like this for the moral questions and how other superheroes and friends of Clark and Superman say, "Here's what we think." But I do agree that this is not a very strong t- trade paperback. So for me, I would say if you're going to read this, check it out from the library if your library has it. Rodrigo, final thoughts from you. Yeah, I think this president uh, Lex arc is uh, a a completionist's um, trade, definitely, because honestly, if you're going in expecting a cohesive story, it doesn't have it. It just straight up doesn't have it. Uh, At the beginning, Luther is running for president. By the end, he's president. But there's actually no real through line to that. Mm -hmm. We spent a lot of time fighting a giant sea monster, a giant eel, an earthquake guy. Um, and like, uh, a bunch of other things. Um, and like all of a sudden stars, stars and stripes are there and they're like, yay, we're here. And then young justice shows up in a motorcycle, you know, it's like nothing. There's nothing that's actually cohesive about this because it's a mess of comics that just had like this through line. Um, so, uh, if that's what you're hoping for, you're not going to get that. Don't even bother with it. If you want to see, like, actually a pretty good slice of what DC Comics was like in the 2000s, mm-hmm. then pick it up. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you like the McGinnis art. But even then, it's not all McGinnis no, art. No, no. He is kind of the more the most prominent uh, writer uh, or uh, illustrator as far as the, um, the frequency in the book. Um, but, uh, no, there's lots of people in this. And their art styles do not match. No, they don't. That is kind of jarring. Uh, Matthew, final thoughts from you. This is a big old skip for me, and the, the main reason why is that it does have the the core, the seeds of some really fascinating moral dilemmas and ideas, but it doesn't do anything with them. And once again, we see a point where we're set up for a character to try and wrestle with something more complex than the fighty-fighty. And Superman can't punch this problem. How is this going to resolve itself? I'll tell you, eventually in a couple of years, Superman gets to punch the problem. That is one of the reasons why when you have these big, high concept, cool background ideas, you got to go somewhere with it. This doesn't go anywhere. This is something that what if Lex Luthor was president? Boy, that would suck. Really, the strongest part of it actually ends up being Black Lightning's arc in Outsiders where he ends mm-hmm. up going to prison for mm-hmm. his activities in the Luthor administration. And at that point in time, 
it's kind of over with. So I would say don't don't waste your time unless you are trying to read all the Superman ever in order or you really want to see a Superman who is forced not to act like Superman because of these terrible, terrible consequences, which it's not even it's not even fun kind of consequences. It's dumb consequences. It's Jeff Loeb consequences. Then this might be a book for you, but I would say skip it. Skip it hard. Yeah, I think honestly, I think the first issue of J- or the first season of Justice League Unlimited actually does this whole arc way better. Absolutely, uh, there is the adaptation of the Superman Batman run, a uh, Superman Batman oh, yeah. Public Enemies, which is the animated movie, which doesn't show mm-hmm. Lex Luthor's rise to presidency. It already establishes him as president of the United States, and then turning on the superheroes, specifically Batman and Superman, and uh, giant robot at the end. I liked that one. It's not, it's, not as far as an animated movie, movie, it's fine. I think it's good. Uh, it's up there certainly in the top 20 of the Warner Brothers uh, animated movies. It's, it's still dumb Jeff Loeb, but it's dumb Jeff Loeb done in a way that is, is kind of enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because it's concise, right? It's right. It's like, right. okay, really here are the parameters. Like, let's go. And even then, I want to say, like, uh, was it, is it Major Force that, like, shows up in the middle? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, for no reason? You yeah. know, it's, yeah, it's like... Yeah, Captain Adam, okay. Katana, Black Lightning, Power Girl, Starfire, and Major Force all go after um, the renegade superheroes. Now, do they... I, I want to say, they kept the Hawkman-Captain Marvel bit, didn't they? I think they did. Where yeah. Hawkman... I, I, I remember yeah, Hawkman I, lo- I love that story. Yeah. Where Captain Marvel took down Batman, or vice versa. Batman took down Captain Marvel and Superman had to take down Hawkman. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So there you go, everybody. Story. Go there watch you. that. Nah, here's, <laughs> what I, here's what everybody should do. Go out and vote this, this year. Um, if you're over 18. If you're over 18, sure. Uh, we definitely want to do that. But here's another thing. If you are under 18, uh, there's probably a, a school vote thing, a school vote program. I always take my son uh, the last two times that we've had elections. Well, he would have been one the first time. I still took him because I had to take him. Uh, but, uh, he's gone and done the kid election and that is an interesting thing for kids to participate in and gets them thinking about the political system if they're not already doing that in school. Uh, but, uh, I'm not telling you who to vote for and I won't tell you who to vote for, except I will say this, uh, vote for who you think is going to do the best, uh, at what they are supposed to do and, uh, vote for the issues that you think are most important. And if you're cool with that, I think everybody's cool with that. Uh, but I do think that everybody should get out there and vote. It is your right. Uh, and uh, I think you should be a participant in this in this America that we have created. You know what? You'll never be cooler than my wife who voted on Halloween in full kiss makeup. <laughs> I think anybody that goes out and votes pretty damn cool. That, that wraps is it up very for, cool. That wraps it up for this issue. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the Major Spoilers experience. If you enjoy our conversations, again, head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers. Sign up. We could use your help. We really appreciate everyone who uh, does it. And because uh, you do sign up, uh, you do get a little bit back, including all of these free episodes, 701 of them that we have been doing all of these years. We're going to be back next week to talk more comics. Why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the Man of Steel. I'm gonna rearrange your face if you continue to debate whether Logan's claws could pierce Steve Rogers' shield. I just couldn't care less if they bring back Craven. And I 
podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.